Jesus commissioned his followers to go and make disciples. He commanded us to love God and love our neighbors. But he also prayed that we would be united by his spirit as one. So what would happen if the body of Christ began to take each one of these pieces as part of the whole? The Great Commission, the Great Commandment, the Great Collaboration. Let's take a fresh look at the Jesus Mission. And I think it gives us a great little encapsulation of the series we're talking about right now, the Jesus mission that Jesus told us we were to go, right? The Great Commission, go into all the world. And then today we're going to talk about love, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. And then next week, well, not next week, that's the, that's the warehouse cleaning week. The week after that, we're going to talk about together, the great collaboration, how Jesus didn't intend for us to do any of these things alone. He intended us to do them together in unity. So today we're going to talk about love. Now I'm going to start out today by letting you guys in on an inside joke that Brett and I have had for 25 years now. That's how long we've been going to church together, 25 years. And we started noticing that almost every week in church with a sermon message, whoever was talking would somehow say that whatever they were talking about that week was the most important thing. So whether it was, you know, this week it's peace. This is the most important thing you need in your life. And the next week it would be forgiveness. This is the most important thing you need. The next week it would be joy. This is the most important thing. And so we would just kind of, you know, look at each other and giggle. You know, this is going to happen every week. So first of all, I've now spoiled that for our pastors. So, you know, anytime they say it, we're going to all have an inside joke about, you know, about them doing that. But second, this week I get to win. Because this week I realized that Jesus actually told us what the most important thing is, and it is love. So I win. 25 years, I win. All right, we're going to start in Mark chapter 12, where Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind and all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. We often summarize this, love God, love others. But the question I want to ask this morning is this. Jesus, can it really be that simple? Can that really be the key to our mission, to bringing God and your love and light into the world? Is love really the key? Can I believe that in my heart? when I look around at the world and what's going on? And will our world buy that? Will people out there in our culture buy that love is really the answer? Well, to start talking about that, uh, I am going to bring up a picture. All right, for our young people, who is this? It's Harry Potter, that's right. And who can tell me, so tell me if you're a true fan, how did Harry get his scar? Lucy. That's right, Lord Voldemort tried to kill him, but did he die? He did not die. 
Now, here's the big question. Why did he not die? His mother's love. Good job, Weston. That's awesome. So, for those of you who are not Harry Potter people, this is the basis of the whole series of books, is that there's this great dark wizard who possessed the most powerful evil that had ever been known in the world, and he goes to try to kill this boy who he thought would be a danger to him. He uses his most powerful spell, and Harry's mother's love protects him, not only protects him, but essentially breaks the wizard. His power is broken. This story is the most read and most bought new book of the past 25 years. It is a multi-billion dollar property and has made its author, J.K. Rowling, one of the richest women in the world. It's like her and Oprah people, richest women out there. And this is encouraging to me because I think that if people couldn't buy, if we as a culture, as a world, believers and non-believers alike, could not buy that love can break evil, this story would not work. Because we don't buy stories, we will not accept stories that don't ring true, right? So this is a story that has rung true because of its core message about love. So let's look a little deeper at what Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, because I care much more about what Jesus has to say about love than what J.K. Rowling has to say about love. So when we go back to Mark 12, in the beginning of that chapter, we see that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, many leaders of religious sects have all come to kind of gang up on Jesus. They're testing him. They're tired of the people following him. They want to see if they can trip him up. So they come and they start asking him all these really hard questions. And he is giving them really good answers. So another man stands up in verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, this was supposed to be a really hard question. By tradition, there are 613 did you get that, kids? 613 laws in the Old Testament. And the rabbis would spend hours, days, weeks, debating and talking about which one was the most important. But Jesus goes straight to love. Quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this, again in Mark 12. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And the rabbi agrees that he has answered well. Jesus begins this quote with something that we call the Shema, or I should say the Jews called and still call the Shema. This hero O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This was and still is a very important phrase for Orthodox Jews. They began their prayers with it morning and night. It spoke to them of the holiness, oneness, and unity of God, and the unity of Israel and all of man under his power. 
So Jesus begins by calling on unity, oneness, and the power of God, and our man's unity within that. So today, as we move on, we're going to start to see more ways that love and unity are entwined. So then Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and all your might. So when I first started looking at this, this word love in here, and if you've been around Bible study for very long, you'll know the word agape, agape love. And it means an unselfish love, um, a love of the mind. And usually when we talk about, um, well, it's not just the mind, mind, heart, but it's not just a feeling, is what I'm saying. Um, and usually when we talk about showing agape love for other people, we talk about doing things for them, treating them like we would want to be treated, serving them. And I'm thinking, okay, how do I show agape love toward God? God is already all-powerful, he is light, he is hope, he is beauty. Like, what, what does he need from me? How am I going to show him agape love? So I pulled up this definition. Agapao is the form of that word used in this verse. Definition is to love. Okay, we get that. Usage. To love, wish well to, take pleasure in. Okay, I can see that for God. To long for. Denotes the love of reason and esteem. Okay, so I'm beginning to see how I can do those things toward God. How it's about relationship as well as reason and feeling, right? And then, I really liked this from Help's Word Studies. Agapao, properly to prefer. To love for the believer, preferring to live through Christ. Embracing God's will, choosing his choices, and obeying through his power. Okay, so I can start to wrap my mind around that. Like Jesus said, we are going to love or prefer God. We're going to choose him. We are going to long for him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So this is going to be a love that involves our passions, our reason, our relationship with him, and our will. Choosing his choices and obeying him through his power. So now we come to the second part. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus restated this in Matthew chapter 7 in what we refer to as the golden rule. Treat others the way you would have them to treat you. So we can, you know, I think that's fairly easy to understand. We want to be treated with kindness and generosity and courteous, courtesy, dignity. Those are all things that we want people to treat us that way. So we are to treat others that way, to work for their ultimate good. But I really liked the way Meyer's New Testament commentary put it. And bear with me for a second. They, um, it's a little bit old English here, but I really like their summary. It says, to cherish toward him, thy neighbor, no less than toward thyself, that which God would have thee to feel. Love must do away with the distinction between I and thou. 
Okay, so let's say it how we would say it. To cherish toward him, your neighbor, whoever is near you, no less than toward yourself, that love which God would have you to feel, love must do away with the distinction between me and you. Love must do away with the distinction, the distance, the separateness between me and you. Me and you are the same. There's no difference. There's no difference. I will treat you like I want to be treated because I live in God's love and there's no difference between me and you. So wait. Is that really possible? Is it really possible for us to go out into the world, like Melody was talking about last week, simply powered by love and the idea that there doesn't have to be separation between us? God, are you seeing what I'm seeing out there in the world right now? Are you seeing the global pandemic? Are you seeing the racial tension? Are you seeing the civil unrest? Are you seeing the vast differences of opinion and lifestyle and how angry everybody is about it? Like, constantly, always? Can this really be the key in the face of all that? Last week, Melody talked about the Jesus command to go. Going into the broken places of the world, seeking out the least and the last and the lost. Going to places where we can bring healing and light and movement toward peace, planting and sowing seed of the Jesus way. Why are we going to do that? Why? Because of love love in our hearts, holy compassion. When I see my neighbor in need, it's like I'm in need. So I go. How are we going to go? How are we going to reach out into the broken places? We're going to do it in love, with love in our hearts. Not with demands, or shaming, or pride, that we know better with love, with humility and generosity of spirit that meets people where they are and invites them to experience the love of Jesus in his community. Now, let's bring up our memory verse. This is our memory verse for this whole series. We've been working on this. John 13, 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. All right, I'm sure you guys are getting good at this. Say it with me. Your love for the world, sorry, sorry, I messed it up. I messed it up. Start again. <laughs> Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Very good, very good. Showing love 
the kind of love that takes away the distinction between me and you will prove to the world that we are disciples of Jesus. Now next week, Benjamin is going to talk about the great collaboration, Jesus' plea for unity among believers. Because we aren't just called to go, we are called to go together. Now, I don't know about you, but in some ways, that feels like maybe the most impossible part of the mission, maybe even more than going out and loving amidst the challenge and the anger that we see. The idea that we're going to do that with other people, like maybe other churches, other communities, that we can join together and go on a mission, even if we disagree about things. Like maybe we don't see everything in the Bible the same way. Maybe we don't see everything about how we're supposed to do that the same way. Maybe there's, maybe there's disagreement. It kind of feels impossible that we could all come together, that Jesus could want us to all come together and do something as important as spreading his mission together in love. I, I can't even get the four people in my house to agree on a movie on a Friday night. How are we going to come together with other people to go do Jesus' work in the world? Well, Benjamin's going to give us the magic, you know, key to that next week, I'm sure. But I do know this. Jesus has given us the key when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. All right, so as the band comes up, we are going to talk about another gift that God gave us from Scripture in helping us to understand, embody, and see love. He did not leave us alone to try to figure out this love thing. We could spend our whole lives studying scripture and learning the deeper meaning, studying the life of Jesus and learning how to really live in and embody love. But in 1 Corinthians 13, he gives us this beautiful, beautiful description of what love is. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act disgracefully. It does not seek its own benefit. It is not provoked. It does not keep an account of wrongs suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It keeps every confidence. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. So this description of love can be a way that we learn to grow in love, to take these things into our minds and our hearts so that we can embody love and live it out. And also so that we can recognize it. We can recognize it in others. We can recognize it in the world. It's a really, really beautiful help to us. But I want to go through these attributes of love one more time. And this is really sort of my paraphrase 
I wanted to list all of the true, noble, light-filled qualities of love in the positive that will empower us as we go on the Jesus mission together. So here are all of Paul's descriptions of love put in the positive. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is content. Love is humble and dignified and selfless. Love starts each day fresh, rejoicing in the truth. It keeps every confidence. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Can you start to see it? Can you start to see how love can be the key to the Jesus mission, to going into all the world and doing it together? Yes, Jesus tells us, it really can be that simple. The answer is love. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, for this worship, this music, this gathering, these people that are here and online, that we can worship you, look to you, and also think about the mission that Jesus is leading us on, a mission to go and love together. Father, I pray over this church and over all of these people that this week, in this month, in this year, we will learn in a deeper way to embody your love, Jesus' love, the kind of love that is patient and kind and content and humble and dignified and selfless, the kind of love that never fails. Thank you, Father, for all of your gifts, every good and perfect gift that you gift that you give us and bless us as we go forward today and the rest of the week in your love. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.